0: The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. And recording. Cool. Good good evening, everybody. Welcome to v Brownbag US. Um, this evening we are continuing our class on the AWS Solutions Architect Associate Certification. Tonight we're going to talk domain three, data security, with the fashionably dressed Anthony Chow. Um, he is at vCloudern Beer. Um, and for a couple of little housekeeping notes, um, get on the conversation at brown bag, And um, Mr. Malhoyt will be watching the Twitters this evening and, uh, and keeping track of any questions that you guys pose there. Um, also, you can uh, chat with us live um, in the chat channel here, obviously. Um, tonight, as I said before, our guest is the illustrious Anthony Chow. He's a vClouder and beer. His website is cloudn1n3.blogspot.com. My name is Chris Williams. Tonight, we've got the, uh, the, the dynamic duo of Chris and Chris, at MistWire, and at m um, 550 And without further ado, I'm gonna, where is my attendees? There they are. All right, Anthony, you are now the presenter. Hi. Hello,
1: everyone. You see my screen? Show uh, my yet. screen. Let me click. Now yeah. we can. Yep, there uh, you go. Yeah, see? Like I said, I chose a similar theme on the slide deck. Perfect. Hello. <laughs> OK, welcome to this episode of Vibram Back, where we will discuss Domain 3 of the Amazon Web Services Solution Architect Associate Level Exam. Like, like I said, my name is Anthony Chow. I'm in Los Angeles. I am a software developer and I'm passionate on sharing what I know to the community. And this is why I signed up uh, to have this podcast. I am on Twitter, and I also like to blog about different aspects of technology. I was a VCP 4 or 5 in cloud, but then because I ventured into something else, I did not renew my license. So all that hard work is all gone. And the worst thing <laughs> is that I have to retake the expensive class before I can recertify it. So I'm not sure if I would try that route again. But yes. anyway, if situation is required, I, I take that route again. Okay. <laughs> to seek for any certification, the first thing I do is to look at the exam objectives because this gives a roadmap as to what we need to study. It's a general picture and it will tell us what is being tested. Plus, it also give us an outline on the topics that we need to master. And today we're going to look at domain three of the Amazon Web Services Solution Architect exam data security. The weight of this section is just 20, 20%, there's been roughly 20% of the question on this exam on data security. This is the title of the data security, or at least this is the header of the exam objective. It's in two sections. 3.1 is recognize and implement secure practices for optimal cloud deployment and maintenance and then in 3.2 is recognize critical data disaster recovery techniques and the implementation so these are the two main topics that we need, we are going to discuss this uh, diagram is taken from the accept objective uh, document and it's further explain what uh, more detail and so what will be tested in in the exam and of course this is the study result they have used to prepare for the exam now uh, well we have this we Brown back series and I think this is a very rich um, content for us to study and of course there are so there are pay subscriptions uh, Guru is a very nice um, resource, Cloud Academy, and Linux Academy. And by far, I like the style of A Cloud Guru the best because it's specifically geared toward helping us to pass the exam. And the contents are also very precise with uh, practice sets, or you have to have hand, hands-on practices so you can know how to go into Amazon Web Service to configure different things. And last but not least, we have Amazon. Web Services does a very good job in their website. If you go into the website, there are tons of good information about its services that you can look at. And in specific, there is one, one URL. It's the aws.amazon.com security, where you can find different valuable resources. Because of course, we, our goal is not just to pass the exam, but to be a successful solution architect. So. We should check on that website from time to time to keep up with what's going on or what is the latest. And I think reInvent is coming up in two or three months, and I'm sure they have new new announcements or new features that we need, need to catch up on again in a few months time. And if you go to YouTube, Amazon Web Services has tons of good information also. And there's also the white paper from AWS, which are very uh, well written and uh, is very informational. And speaking about white paper, there are the few white paper that is very specific to security of, uh, listed here in this slide. There are three different three different white paper that are highlighted in green and they are very important. And I think we should read them before sitting into the exam. And they are the AWO AWS security best practices, overview of security processes, and also the AWS risk and compliance white paper. All these three are very well written. And then we need to, and then we need to know the con, uh, content of this white paper before we go into the exam. But before we move on, I think it is very crucial that we understand some of the security basis. uh, Because that will help us to understand the white paper as well to understand the context. Um, There is the CIA. And if you talk about security, we should always refer to CIA. And of course, this is not a central intelligence agency. But it is the confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Um, In essence, think security, we think of these three suspects to protect our data being an information of our, our customer or is inter, intellectual property, or even some secret recipe for making your restaurant, being a Freestyle Michelin restaurant. Why I say that? Because I was on YouTube watching some um, YouTuber. They, they go to different places and try different food. And I was fascinated about how they can create so rich content by going around eating different food nice food, and then they'll be earning money from that too. So today, I pick a let's say to explain the CIA triad. Let's say that we pick a, a secret recipe for making a delicious duck dish that make your restaurant famous. For confidentiality, you want to keep it a secret. Only certain certain people can access to this recipe. We need access control. So we put that piece of the paper or put that in a safety deposit box. We need to need the key and the fingerprint to have access. And by the way, if we have a key and a fingerprint, this is something called a two-factor authentication. Something you have and something you know, and this is a very important concept about two-factor authentication. If you have two keys, it is not necessary two-factor authentication. This is only a two-tier authentication. To be specific, if you need a two-key uh, multi-key, 2-key uh, authentication, you need to have something you have and something you know, which is a password or some kind of something you process, like your fingerprint or your um, some kind of mobile devices to, to, to uh, generate the password. So we need to safeguard, and this is called confidentiality. We need to keep so that we have access control on the things that we need to safeguard. For integrity, we do not want the recipe to be tampered with. You do not want your competitors to change two teaspoons of salt to be two serving spoons of teaspoons of salt. If you transfer the recipe from a safety deposit box to your restaurant, how do you protect this? Again, if the recipe is stored electronically on AWS Cloud, you want to retrieve that from AWS to your computer. How do you make sure the recipe is safe? Of course, we can use HTTPS and also use a hashing function with a secret key so you can verify the content. And this is called integrity. these days, people said data is the new goal. Well, if we need to make the data, we need to be available when we need it. So even if we have a recipe, we need to be available. While your competitor may want to make sure you don't have the recipe when you need it. Let's say you are invited to do a catering job at White House event. If the recipe is stored electronically in AWS, you want it to be available when you need it, or when the system why, if the system crash or uh, you be able to not to retrieve the recipe, then there's no no good for you. Let's say if during Christmas time, online retail store, the availability of the system is very important. Uh, you, your competitor may give you a fast attack, and then you not be able to have your system available, and you are losing the business. So these are the CIA triad of security. And there's also the security best practices, which are data in use, data in transit, and data at rest. This should be very self-explanatory. Data at rest is where we store the data in S3 buckets, Glacier, or database in the AWS cloud. Data has to move around from one entity to another, and that's in transit. And lastly, data in use is where the data is being used by the application. So how do we apply the CIA principle to the data at the three different stages? Usually, uh, we will use access control to use to protect the data in use. We will use SSL/TLS to protect the data in transit, and we will use encryption to protect the data at rest. For data in use, it is a usual good practice to clear the memory of RAM or that is being used by the application. My last project at Akatel-Lucent is to make our software passed the common criteria certification. And one of my job is to go into the software and to make sure uh, to check the password of the user as zero after it's being used as well as all the passwords filled in RAM and memory are clear when the user is being deleted. So this is a very important uh, security basic as we go into this this domain. Uh, so far is there any questions or comments?
0: Uh, no, we are good so
1: far. Okay, let's move on. This picture is, um, I think, it's a famous picture that we need all need to know because this is the very fundamental and important concept for ADBS. It's the shared security responsibility. Well, it is very difficult to remember this picture, but there's a one way. If you look at the uh, left, right uh, right-hand side, right hand side of the picture is that there is two lines. You see the customer and AWS. One way good to remember, especially if you are in the exam and you're not quite sure about the answer, customer is responsible for the security in the cloud, where AWS is responsible for the security of the cloud. We're going to do de- de- this in a more detail later on, but this is one thing that we must master, is that who is responsible? Uh, on this piece and I'm sure there will be exam question asking who is responsible for the security of these particular module in the cloud or within the system or within the setup. So this is, we have to remember, customer is responsible security in the cloud, whereas AWS is responsible for the security of the cloud. And of course, AWS is a well-established uh, company, I would say, and it's a built-in security feature, and as a solution architect. I think it's very essential, not just to pass the exam, but it's essential that we know what is some of the built-in security features that we can use. Those are the tools that are, can help us to dis, um, to, um, to make design decisions as to how we architect a solution. And of course, like if you go going with the VCDX route, it is not so much about uh, what kind of solution you have chosen, it is why you have chosen this solution and how does it affect and what are the pros and cons of this particular solution versus some other solutions. So I think as a solution architect, we, we, come, we when we are preparing for the exam, we do not just go in and say, oh, this is how we configure this, how we configure that. Those are a uh, uh, different aspect. I think these are being tested with the up certification. But for this solution uh, solution, architect exam, we will be more focused on how do we choose the, the, the different solutions or different tools for us to architect a solution. And of course, if you look at all these building security features, in number four, uh, protection data address. Uh, we already talked about these basic principles. So, uh, so I think this is essential that we, we talk about those early on because as you will go on to the white paper of uh, AWS, they refer to these concepts quite a bit, and it is um, important for us to grab this idea. Okay. One of the exam and I was told, um, this white paper is very important for the exam because uh, lots of questions is being derived from this white paper Uh, from this white paper, and then, so we need to, since this is so important, let's take a look at this, just we try to go through some of the important important, uh, points in this white paper. Of course, uh, you see the confidentiality, integrity, and availability is in the first line of the uh, first paragraph of the introduction. So AWS is uh, 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 adhering to this uh, the uh, security principle to design the security products and to design the whole system, and then as I said uh, in this document, it talks about the shared responsibility from between the, uh, between the customer and AWS. You say uh, customer maintain the complete control over the content and are responsible for all these things. So this is I think we need to take a look and understand, and this is. A kind of a picture that we see before uh, the AWS is responsible for the global infrastructure and also uh, the customer is responsible for the rest with one exception AWS is also responsible for something called the managed service because if you look at AWS as infrastructure as a service the global infrastructure is what it should uh, provide security to but for managed service, which is uh, more, it's just it past, uh, there's something, I said, this, is, this is example, uh, managed service, with example of this service include Amazon, DynamoDB, RDS, Redshift, the Elastic Map Reviews. These are the responsibility of AWS. Uh, maybe some of the question will ask, who is responsible to, to update the OS and patching? It, but it's already very well spelled out. That uh, AWS is responsible for the basic security for the uh, OS and the patching of the software, and then later on it goes on to talk about who is uh, further explain the customer security responsibility. I uh, for me the the outline or the layout of this white paper is not very well done, but at least it has all the information, and so we need to understand it. Uh, it should have organize this white paper a little bit better, so it's very easy to understand. Because it's, the concept jumps back and forth between uh, different, even though they have these kind of headlines, but sometimes the, whatever they talk about inside the white paper, they jump back and forth. Uh, so we need to be aware of what we are looking at. And I think this is on this page, page 10, is AWS compliance program. When we, if we Google. Uh, AWS compliant, we can f- always find the keyword. AWS is very audit friendly. And then one thing is that we need we need to know the infrastructure that we provide is being certified for this. SOC1, SOC2, SOC3, FISMA, you have the PCI uh, level one. You also later on you have this HIPAA. Uh, so we, if, when we use the infrastructure of AWS, we know that the infrastructure already is certified or compliant to this this programs, this uh, standards. So we can see, we can tell the external auditors that this the infrastructure portion is okay. And this is, I think, uh, some of the questions will be on this compliance. And later on in this white paper, we talk about the physical security, how it, pro- it protects the infrastructure or the servers. Um, I think one of the key thing is. Uh, it might be asked in an exam is the storage device commissioning. Um, let me read from this. When a storage device has reached the end of the useful life, AWS procedures include a decommissioning process. I think we need to know about this decommissioning process is that uh, the, the data in the device will be zero out and then the device itself will be physically destroyed. I think we have to remember this as we go into exam. And then it talks about availability. Let's go on. There are talk on network security. And then this network, AWS has five more other boundary devices. This is for the infrastructure security to, to protect the infrastructure. And then all APIs. We need to know that all APIs endpoints they allow HTTP and HTTPS. And then when you have access, we have and uh, the SSL termination of a load balancer is a FIPS compliant also. And I think one other, another thing is that uh, we have also AWS also have the uh, IPsec VPN if if it is necessary to connect. And the one thing is that uh, we need to understand AWS corporate network is separate from AWS cloud network. I think this is, might be a question on this also that we uh, uh, to see if the two networks are uh, connected or not. And another thing is that in order to access uh, I think there 's a bastonian host I think today Scott Lowe just uh, have a block out talking about uh, using a bastonian host to access the person private instances in AWS. I thing is worth going looking into it I think this is also an important uh, concept as we go into in set. the next thing is, is we move on it talks about all different regions it talks about the monitoring and protection I think uh this is important to know uh, that AWS utilizes a wide variety of automated monitoring systems to provide high level of service performance and availability. And again, this is one of the security basics that you, the system has to, or the data has to be available. And it also provides the tools to to detect unusual or unauthorized activities. So this is something we need to to know about. And then these few examples, the AWS is able to prevent all this. I think this is one of the exam objectives, too, that we need to know is uh, DOS mitigation. And this is how AWS will, it describes how AWS will prevent DOS attack, man in the middle attack, IP spoofing, how it does it, and also for port scanning. I think one thing we need to realize is that port scanning is mostly for pen testing. If you, we can, as a customer, can do pen tests on our uh, resources. But before that, it's very important that we need written authorization before we do anything. Not just written, the written. I don't think it's mentioned about anywhere in this here, but I think from my experience is that for written authorization to do a pen test, not just being authorized, but you also need to specify the scope of the testing specifically so that we will not get into any legal problems. We, uh, we work at, uh, on our work, we don't necessarily fire up NMAP and, and or Metasploit to scan the production network. So this is not a good practice. And you may get in trouble with that even though it is um, with your own company. So I think we need to make sure we understand for port scanning. If we do any tests on our resources, we need to get written approval beforehand so before we can proceed and also just talk about how it prevent packet sniffing with other tenants because this is for for isolation so let's move on to another important big topic is the ABB access it talks about the different credentials the software update and I think this is a good this is an important uh, table that we need to understand is the different very different types of AWS credentials when we log into AWS account we need a password and this is the password type and we need a multi-factor authentication this is mostly used to protect the root account um, again multi-factor authentication this doesn't mean you need two keys this is something something you have or something you you, you know so a password is something you know something you have is some some other external way. Like I said, this is a six-digit single user code. as regard. Uh, no, this is only the the password part. Hmm. Anyway, some, we need to understand the multi-factor authentication. And then uh, later on, this is one of the exam objective. Also, is the key management. Uh, AWS provide key management. This is access key. Where will be used for APIs and uh, other access. Uh, uh, rest query to to the system. So sometimes we use APIs to configure our a- APS instances, and these access keys are necessary. One thing about this access key is that it will be generated only once, and you have to write it down and to store it in a safe place. If we miss that or we lost it, lost the key, the only way is to regenerate a new key. We have to request AWS to re- regenerate a new key for us. They will not generate a reject they will not you have to have a new key they will not generate the old key for you because I don't uh, maybe this is for security uh, but this is something you do if you lost a key you have to regenerate and this is like something called a key pair key pair is uh, private key and public key pairs this is different from the access key access key is only one key but key pair is that you have to use a private key then you have also you generate a public key and this is how you know, you mostly use in SSH to to log in, and then there's also the XDOT 509 certificate, which is similar to key pairs, but this is between, it's a digital certificate to certify uh, who you are to to present your identity through a uh, CA is called uh, certification authority because they will validate or vouch for you. Because we trust that CA, that CA will write for you, oh, with this certificate, this is indeed this is me. So this is, uh, I don't think we need to, uh, to know how to generate uh, certificates, but at least we need to understand that these are the different credential types as possible within AWS. And again, being a solution architect, we need to understand the different tools, different options, so that we can choose the appropriate options. OK, let's move on, because later on this during this paper, it further explains, and we don't have time to go through the details, I think, but I think this is important that we understand these different um, um, ways of using these security keys, or, or even key pairs, or the XLOC 509 certificates. Then let's move on this is this security law. Uh, this is one of the exam objectives, the trusted advisor security tech check, because this is, um, sorry, the security check is not only for performance or resiliency, but if you look at this description, it's also for cloud security. This trip advisor is, uh, some of the elements are free, some are not, and some of them you have to pay for, but at least this is something that they to, to describe to you how the trusted advisor is provide security, because you will check for Uh, common security misconfiguration that can occur including this and this and I think we should look in. And one thing is that this will also help with checking to see if you are configuring your instances also correctly. This is talk about some free uh, monitoring that that you can use with that. And then moving on this is the multi-level security because it's also one of the principles for security, is uh, defense in depth. So we, we try to, it's like uh, there is always a, uh, I'm not sure if there's the terminology, but in the castle, there's always a river. I'm not sure that it's classified as a river, but there's some water in between. So this is called layer of defense. If you break into this, you can still have another layer of defense to protect yourself from one, uh, from, from some of these risks and attacks. It talks about uh, one thing we know. We need to know is that uh, the hypervisor is is a uh, com- customized version of Sand hypervisor. Then it provides the different ways of isolation. The instant isolation is very important, as we all know uh, from the virtualization world. Uh, VM isolation is very important. But also, in this document, also said the physical RAM is also separated separated using similar mechanism as we talk about. I think not only is the VM provide isolation, the RAM is also, which is also a good way to, or good assurance for its customer that this is uh, some, somewhat secure. Uh, then especially if this, in addition, the memory allocated to guest is scrubbed set to zero by the hyper, hypervisor, this is un allocated to a guest. I think this is a very important step. Again, when I was di- doing the common criteria project, this is also one thing is that the, some of these things we need to zero it out before we, we release it back to the memory pool. Uh, this picture is also important. It talks about there is a built-in internal firewall to provide uh, uh, resource uh, isolation. And then it, talks about the GAS operating system. Uh, one thing is that AWS do not have any access right to your instance or the GAS OS. So even though we are, the resource is running at the infrastructure, AWS does not have the access right. Uh, this is something we need to remember. Also for firewall, there's also we look at it's a built-in firewall, uh, I think this is important. The default is deny all. No, we need to know how this is being configured as a default default um, setting. and also we go to page uh, 31 for talk about encryption. So this is the encryption on sensitive data on EBS volumes. They use the AES-256. But one important thing is that. This kind of EBS encryption is only available on the EC2 or the more powerful instances. So if you are uh, doing the free tier Amazon for practices, you might not be able to have this option available for you. But in the production environment, this encryption uh, is available only to the more powerful instance type. So we need to remember that when we go into exam. And then later on it talks about elastic low balance security one thing we need to know about from this from this, this uh, different paragraph is that the encryption and description works uh, instance manage it at the low balancer that means the the secured connection terminates the ts the SSL uh, connection terminates at the low balancer so it so it will offload some of the and a decryption process that you have to do uh, on your workflow. Um, then this use a long-term secret key to generate short-term key to be used between the server and the browser. And this is, I think, this is important as we move forward. Uh, one of the things that is nice for this load balancer is that you'll be able to identify. The original IP address of the client connected to the service. This is very essential for producing an update trail and then later on when something happens we you go back to the law that we will be able to somewhat, it's not a foolproof because uh, those IP address can be um, spoofed or can be masked out with other means but at least it's the AWS trying to identify the original IP address. Uh, again, In security, we cannot mitigate 100% all the risk. We can only minimize the risk as much as possible. And this is one way that we can minimize the risk by identifying the original IP address of the client so that it will produce an audit trail. It might be after the fact, but at least we might be able to get back to who is trying to sabotage your system or trying to do some misconfiguration or to do whatever bad things to your system. They will be able to somewhat trace it back uh, so let's talk about uh, the, all these access are being locked, and then VPC is one of the big items in the security domain that we need to know, and then it, this, and especially in this white paper, uh, um, at least f- five or six pages are devoted to this VPC security, so we need to understand, first of all it talks about using a different level of subnet. VPC is one way to provide security because it provides isolation. To the other, everyone. I think this is a new feature that is developed in 2010 or 13. I'm not sure, but this is a new way that everyone has a virtual private cloud, and then uh, there is also a default VPC that if you do not configure any VPC yourself. What well, this is an important way to know too, because some of the configuration that we will be talking about the security t- t group and the network access control is uh, behave differently for default vpc and the non default vpc and this is something we need to understand so we have to go through all this this is the api access to the vpc is you have to ssl protect the api endpoints you have this subnet routing table uh, this we will t- we will talk about it more in detail but this is also an important way for vpc to provide security uh, briefly this is one way to Security group is to secure your instance. Where network access control list is to secure the subnet. So this is something. Uh, later on, we have a slide to to set the, to to print out the differentiation between the, these two submit to, to, so that we'll be able to better understand how these two uh, will work together to provide security at the, APC, at the VPC level. Of course, you have the virtual private gateway, the internet gateways, so that you will be able to. The, uh shield from the internet uh, so you have can add uh, request dedicated instance and you are provided with elastic network interface this is I think provide for uh, this is what you call this is called a uh, high availability for elastic network IP because if one of the uh, instance goes down you if your workload is being switched to another one the elastic IP address Will interface will be able to switch in mid, uh, not quite immediately, but mid uh, you know, faster. So this this is something to call the classic EC2 classic, the, the default VPC and the regular VPC. I think uh, this table is also important that we know as we go into the exam. Uh, later on he talks about the route 55 security this is one of the exam objectives being mentioned in the on the, on the exam objective page and then it has a weight because we can use uh, route 55 to provide uh, uh, disaster disaster recovery solutions so that because there's one way one of the option is that there is a multi site hot standby where you can based on uh, route 55, route the traffic to the failover site, then this is how you can provide uh, high availability, not exactly fault tolerant. Bear in mind, high HA is not fault tolerant. There are two different things. HA is just to recover as much fat, as fast as possible. So could we move on? This is something, current front. Uh, there's something called the data direct. This is something that you use a dedicated facilities. You have a fiber connection or fast in, uh, access into the AWS data center. This is to bypass security. I'm uh, not, not to put bypass security, sorry. Uh, slip of the tongue is bypass internet to provide security. But one of the things we have to understand is that if we use this route, this cannot be be done very quickly. If uh, you need something fast. If you need it in the next hour, if you want to have something done in the afternoon, you have to go through the regular way of going through the internet to configure your instance and to connect to your uh, from the data center to AWS. But if you want a more secure, you have to set it up. Uh, this takes more time, but this is more secure and they use the standard AL2.1Q VLAN to do the partitioning of to for the virtual interfaces, this is how you connect. Uh, I'm not sure this is being asked, but you have to configure BGP on the virtual interface. So this is mostly for, we have talked about VPC to connect, and this is something to do with the storage, how we provide uh, data access. This is data access. We have three ways to provide data access to storage. One is the IAM policy. One is the access control list. And the last one that is specific to storage is the bucket policy. So this is. I think this table is also good to remember. And then again, you see the concept data at rest. So this is something called the server-side encryption. This is. Later time we have a slide on this tool that we go deep into. There are three types of server-side encryption, and also one side one another way is that it's a client-side encryption. This is how we store uh, the data encrypted at, uh, at um, on, on on AWS. And then as we move on There's something called a storage gateway security, where we talk about the different ways of storing things. This is the store volume. We will have a slide on that too later on, talk about these three. Uh, uh, this is more for section 3.2 where we talk about disaster recovery. This is one way, one of the services provide input. It's also one way that it's under exam objective under three, section 3.2. So this is I think the first 50 pages, it's worth going through and then understand. And then I think the next thing, you need to jump to page 72, which talks about IAM. Uh, let's see so if I can scroll. So to 61, so I think this is important to understand that we jump to this. IAM security, because this is one of the exam objective. We have group, we have user, and role. Role is very important to understand, is that because IAM role use is a temporary security credential to allow you to delegate access to user or services, services such as your um, S3 instance, so that you'll be able to access your, your, your storage. This is how we get the roles. And then there is the policy, which is in the JSON, format to specify your our, uh, whole, the access credential, so it's good to know about JSON, uh, if we know, we I think at the console, we can display the policy in a very nicely formatted form on the console. Of course, we look at the security watch, this is one of the exam objectives for one. so we need to understand this security watch is to provide uh, monitoring of resource, and then we'll be able, not just because for, for auto-scaling, but we also, this is, CloudWatch will be used for CloudTrail, along with CloudTrail to provide security audits. And this is pretty much about uh, this, this uh, white paper, but I was informed that, uh, sorry, I was informed that this is very important that we need to understand as we go into the exam, ah, this is a handful. Is there any question or comment so far?
0: Uh, yeah, no. That, that uh, security white paper is, is definitely um uh, you have you have to read through that entire thing to uh to to be able to answer all the questions on the exam uh, validly and lucidly. Um, the the uh, the data destruction pieces, Anthony, you nailed it. The data destruction pieces are definitely uh, in the test.
1: Ah, yeah, thank you. Okay, so let's move on, oh, I don't have much time. Compliance, we're going to talk about compliance. Again, one thing we have to stress is that written approval is a must if we want to do any pen test on our instance. Even if it's our own instance, we need to have written approval. And again, I have to stress, besides written approval, the scope of the test has to be specified so that you'll be fully protected. And these are some of the things in the picture. These are the compliance that uh, AWS infrastructure is is providing, so we can be uh, rest assured that if we use AWS, we will at least at the infrastructure level, these are being uh, covered. Again, this is IAM. We already talked about it in the white paper. It's uh, the way to enable to provide fine-grained access control to the services or resources. Again, we know this is easy to understand. It's the user and groups. Role, again, we already talk about is the temporary access credential, security credential to access for, for uh, Role is not for, Role is more for, for instance or some other entities running within AWS to, to, to provide security and, of course, again, policy is in the form of, J, specified in the form of JSON so you can know how, who and what can access, uh, what, what resource can be accessed. Uh, Again, VPC. We did talk about different ways. We have five or six pages talking about VPC security at the white paper. I think it starts on page 33. Uh, I think it's not a good sign that I remember the page number of the white paper. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, but let's move on. Let's talk about security. Some of the rules how we apply security, and this is I get, get it from from the AWS website, the user guide. One thing I think to point out is that the ACL, the rule number, rules are evaluated, SADC and the lowest number rule. As soon as a rule is matched, it applies regardless of any higher number rule. Because some of the firewall, you have to evaluate all. Because I think for security group, they evaluate all and can come up with an, uh, either access or deny. But we have to remember for ACL, the lowest number start being evaluated first, and then when as soon as the room matches the traffic, it will apply and it will not it will not go on. This is not like the example where different people go into a room, one switch the light on, one switch the light off. The last person that enters the room dictates if the light is on or off. This is how security group works because it would be the uh, I'm not sure, uh, no, I take it back. I think uh, they need to do some research to see how they come up with the security permission. But some of the firewall rules they, that uh, dictates by dictate by the last one, the last rule that say access or deny. But we have to remember in AWS VPC security for the ACL, the first match uh, rule matches will be the one and will not move on, and then this. Uh, I think I got this also from the user guide, and this summarized the differences between the security group and the network ACL. Because security group uh, is the first layer of defense, it is it supports allows rule only. It's stateful. And what does he mean by stateful? Is that return traffic is automatically allowed regardless of any rules. Whereas for ACL, it is stateless. If you if you specify allow for inbound, you also need to specify allow for the outbound, otherwise it will not work. So this is something we need to, this is a good table to look at to go into the exam. And then we talk about the EC2 security or the different aspect. In particular, we have the security group and the network ACL. S3, the, we talk about different ways of uh, providing access control, the IAM policy, access control list, and the bucket policy. And then again, this is the encryption types where we have three types of server-side encryption. SSE is server-side encryption. It is S3 manage, or this is AWS Key Management System. Uh, with this, we need to know, know about this. I'm still very a little bit weak on this. We have a one exam objective on the Key Management System, and that I have a slide later on. But this is the this key management system is AWS provide the entire key management system for you. Whereas the the last option for server side is the customer provide you provide the key for the encryption. Uh, apart from the server side, there's also the client side where the data is being encrypted before sending into into AWS. And this is the way uh I'm not sure if we'll be asking what the pros and cons, but at least we have to know the different options. Again, I think knowing the options available is more important than how to configure it uh, in this uh, solution architect exam. Um, we talk about this in, in the white paper. I think we also, uh, uh, yes, we talk about this on the white paper. Uh, the, this is what I'm talking about, the encryption solution. This is one of the exam objectives. You can, you can create your own key, you can use Cloud HSM to create or you can use the key management service. I was surprised, actually I'm surprised that the price for the key management service is the lowest. Uh, I think to me it's the most convenient because interviewers c- c- manage the keys for you. But and again, this this particular objective I'm still a little bit weak uh, on the details. So, at least we, we will know these are the three options. CloudTrail. CloudTrail is one of the security service provided. This is, uh, again, I copy from the internet, I think. And then the SlideShare, I get it from SlideShare. And that, the SlideShare, you can get it from AWS. So this is this is, uh, round robin. It talks. It, it, uh, CloudTrail is it's a lock. It provides a lock for the, to identify the colour, the time, the source IP address. Again, this is a very useful information because some most of the locks doesn't um, doesn't include the source IP address. And again, back to the common criteria project that I did in Nakatoulus and we have to make sure that we also include the source IP address of the caller on our log system, on our switch locks. And this is CloudTrail is to provide uh, logs for API calls, and then this is the watch. While watch is for monitoring alert system, it also works along with CloudTrail so that you will be able to uh, provide a, to, to go through the log. Uh, uh, this is a good blog post about this subject from Cloud Academy. This is free; you don't have to join Cloud Academy to visit the blog. And this has a good information talking about uh, CloudWatch. Moving on, we talk about CloudTrust and I choose this slide because it specified what are the, some of the features it provides and then it also which one are free. Uh, so this is uh, okay. So we have spent around most of the time on domain 3.1 and let's move on to 3.2. 3.2 is mostly for uh, disaster recovery, and as you can see, this the not too much ob- exam objective items, not so much, uh, and then let's move on. Uh, I like this picture a lot because it's fully explained because for disaster recovery, there are two concepts. We understand the recovery point objective and the recovery time objective. I uh, think for V. Brownback, most people are seasoned. Um, administrator or IT profession, so I don't think I need to explain uh, what PTO uh, and RTO are. This for business continuity, I think mean, we can always look it up. Again, for AWS disaster recovery, there are four options. Those are backup and restore, we have the pilot light, we have the warm standby, and multi-site. And for data replication, there are two ways. One is synchronous and one is asynchronous. Synchronous is when you do a write, is automatically being replicated to the backup uh, uh, site, whereas asynchronous is only replicated to the re- the other site, so secondary site, when the the bandwidth uh, system is available. So there's a main difference between synchronous. So if we use synchronous, of course, it's uh it's easier to recover because it is almost uh, synchronous the data is synchron- synchronously written to the two sites where asynchronous we might lose some data and this is the option for for the backup disaster recovery option uh, this again this is a this is a good i think we I have to refer to this website let's go to this and take a look uh, this is uh, actually this is my blog. This is a very good article, and I think it talks about the four different different ways of options available from AWS disaster recovery. Not only do they talk about the differences, they also talk about det- in detail how to configure and how you can the key steps of backup and restore, and some of the key points about this. So I think it's just running out of time. We're not going to go through in detail, but at least as it is good that we read this article. Then you will have a good understanding uh, on on this and be able to answer the question on disaster recovery. We also talk about how to recover the multi-site. Not only that, at the end they also talk about testing. And I have to uh, mention this: an an untested uh, disaster recovery plan is not a Disaster recovery plan because you never know if you are able to to uh, to recover your data or not. And then one thing about for even for pilot pilot light is that you have to have the. Oh, I think no. Just to, in general, I think it mentioned a very good point here is the software licensing for disaster recovery software licensing for the secondary site is also important. Make sure that the. The secondary site is also licensed, so that when it comes live, you will have the proper license to do your work. I think this is a very good blog post. Uh, it's, I suggest uh, uh, everyone going into the exam to read and understand, so that it uh, this section is is covered. We're going back slash and then I just copied the. The pictures from that, and this thing. I was going to talk about it, but then later on, I find the actual blog post, which is very organizedly talk about it, so I don't need to talk about it. But this is important. We have to understand the different options, uh, the pros and cons. I choose this picture. Again, I get this from the internet. Uh, different, the, the, the four different uh, DR options, of course, uh, for backup and restore is the cheapest. You can see $1 sign, but then the RPO RTO is the longest. So you can have this comparison. I think this is a good way to, we must know. As a good solution architect, we need to understand the different options, the pros and cons, to see how much budget you have for your solutions to work. Then this is another exam objective listed. It's the import and export, where we can use a disk or late, uh, recently. AWS has a new service called a snowball. It's where you ship you one, one unit, one one box. So I thing you can Google how a snowball works. I don't have it here in, on the slide. It's just that you put your data on data into the snowball, send it to AWS. They download and then send the. Uh, I'm not sure if they send the snowball back to you. Maybe if you want need to retrieve, they will send it to you. Again again, this is the storage gateway it's also one of the exam objectives and then there are three options the gateway cache is that the primary data is stored in AWS the most often used data is stored and locally in your data center whereas the gateway store is that the data the primary data is stored in your data center and that um, it is this is uh, one option and an the option for storage gateways that use that as a virtual tape library so that you dump the data into a, vir- a tape library as uh, you have we have been doing it to the tape library and this is that and uh, this is one of the elastic block uh, the elastic block store is one of the exam objectives I think the main thing is that um, again I have to refer to this article because it talks about the concept but it also talks about different use cases of how elastic block store can help because I think it is something you you can mount and you can also create snapshot and this helps with disaster recovery and then Route 53, there are different routing policies I think we need to know what they are and especially for disaster recovery sometimes if you use a multi-site multi-site hot standby and the fair open routing policy should be used, uh, these are the things, then uh, again all API requests with the hash function, the SHA-256 hash function along with the AWS secret key. See, these things, these come everything puts together, uh, we talk about the secret key, how we need to generate a secret key, uh, so this is something for that for the API request and then we use the IAM control to operate it to work on that. Route fifty-five uh, to to configure the, the the domain name. Ah, and finally, I think I have covered. Oh wait, I think there are one of a few items on the data security 3.1 one I have not covered. I don't think I covered the ingress and egress filtering, incorporating common conventional security products, complex access control. Uh, and these are the three things, I, three objectives I did not cover in uh, this time. But uh, uh, other than that, I think I covered most of the uh, exam objectives.
0: I think you did, sir. Fantastic job.
1: <laughs> wow. We really speak for an hour.
0: <laughs> A lot of data. Very I, well done, Anthony. I thank you, so you much. Think. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, so we'll, we'll uh, wait for one second to see if we've got any questions in there. Um, you've, you've been doing a fantastic job covering everything, so I think everybody's been uh, uh, stymied by the amount of information. There's, there's a lot
1: there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, Graham just said a lot to digest tonight. <laughs> Definitely, <Yeah>. Graham. <laughs> cool. All right, guys. Uh, well, I, I think we're I think we're good to go. Um, not, nobody uh, nobody's asking any questions, so um, job well
1: done. Well, thank you. Presenting is one thing to be able to answer dynamically the questions, and uh, be able to answer it is another level that I need to try one day.
0: It's you know what teaching teaching is the is the best way to learn because you definitely yes. uh, absorb a lot more.
1: And then last time when I did a presentation on Ansible, I did something right. wrong during the demo, and I was able to recover. That was one big step for me.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, dude, everybody, trust me, everybody yeah. screwed up on the presentations. That's just, that's just par for the course. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks very much. Um, you all have a great evening, and we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Yeah, time for a beer. All right, exactly. Okay. Bye, guys. Yeah, bye.